Hi, this is Alana with the Dealing with Donor Conception podcast. This is a new show dedicated to anything and everything that has to do with donor conception, infertility, parenting, and healthy relationships. Uh, I'm your host, Alana. I am donor conceived. My mother's first husband was infertile, and they chose to use an anonymous donor to conceive me. In my early 20s, I decided I wanted to follow in the footsteps of my biological father, and I ended up selling my own eggs, but not anonymously. I chose to be an open ID egg donor. And that experience taught me a lot about the fertility industry and how it works. And I'm, um, I regret that decision, to put it succinctly. And now I want to share with everybody, the world, anybody who cares, um, what I've learned through my experiences and try to help out as much as possible because uh, I'm compassionate towards people who are suffering from infertility and uh, nobody wants that for their loved ones and nobody, um, it's just an awful experience to go through. But there are valid and invalid ways of, of overcoming difficult things, infertility being just one of them. So... My goal in this podcast is to share with people um, strategies that are win-win for everybody and so that long-term you can have the healthy relationship outcomes you want, including with your children, including with your parents if you are donor-conceived, and uh, just a happier world altogether. The title and subject of this podcast is Chastity Strategies for Sexy People. And it's supposed to be funny, the title, right? Um, Shrek doesn't need any chastity strategies because people who look like Shrek, uh, it, they don't get the opportunities to not be chased to begin with. <laughs> so for everybody else, maybe you in particular, you're so gorgeous that you need some real strategies to uh, fight off people who uh, are trying to advance upon your purity. So... Why is that important, and why does that relate to donor conception? I don't get it. Well, chastity has a lot to do with infertility and the infertility epidemic, or I should say lack of chastity, because about a quarter of the cases of infertility in the country, in the world, are due to a sexually transmitted infection. So... Lots of, or even just multiple, it doesn't have to be a hundred, it could just be two. Um, sexual partners, too many sexual partners, meaning too many bodily fluids swapped equals infection equals clinical infertility. And chlamydia and gonorrhea are two of the leading causes of preventable infertility. So... Um, well, do you want that? Like, I know everybody wants to have a fulfilling sex life, but I've witnessed a lot of really suffering people who maybe didn't need to have that one-night stand, and now that they're later in life suffering from infertility, they would have taken back that moment in an instant in order to be able to conceive naturally 
later in life. Um, so this podcast is for those people. Also, abortion. There's people who absolutely worship abortion and are going to get really mad at me for saying anything bad about it. But, you know, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area to an atheist family. I volunteered at NARAL. Um, and now I've changed my tune because I don't think abortion's great. I, there's consequences for it. Um, the, the reality of abortion is that it can also cause future infertility. Like you think you're rejecting pregnancy in that moment, but you might also be rejecting pregnancy in the future too, because, um, the, the risk of a miscarriage later in life for future pregnancies is 60% for women who have had abortions. There's something about it that you go in and you, there, there's a lot of damage done to the cervix. And you need a good, healthy cervix, one, to just support the pregnancy and the weight of the baby. And you also need your cervix to function properly when you're trying to conceive because there's, uh, it, it produces certain fluids and mucus that are really important for conception to happen. And so the act of an abortion damages the cervix and can lead to pelvic inflammatory disease, miscarriage. It increases your chance of a low birth weight and prematurity. It's just, it's just not a good thing. And so a lot of people find themselves in, a, in an abortion, you know, wanting to have an abortion because they um, became pregnant with someone they're not, they didn't want to actually be a co-parent with. You know, Michelle Williams just said in her Golden Globe speech that she found herself pregnant with a man who she didn't want to have a baby with. And so there's, <clears throat> there's a lot of, you know, we live in a really s sexual culture and um, people think that, you know, a woman has a, a right to choose when she become pre becomes pregnant. And that is for certain. She absolutely does. Um, some people believe that that right to choose comes, the right to choose whether to engage in a baby-making activity or not. So, um, chastity helps you to refrain from engaging in a baby-making activity with someone you're not actually willing to have a baby with. And one of the things that I've, I've learned in my years is that when they were, <clears throat> when they were testing the pill, the, the birth control pill, originally the first dosages that they were testing were so high that some women died. And this is all valid history and, and medical history, and you can look it up. The, the name of the first birth control pill was Inovid, and you can look at the... Um, the incredibly unethical ways in which they tested this medicine. But some women died, and so they realized, okay, we're going to have to lower the, the, the dosage. And when they did that, um, fewer women died. <laughs> An acceptable number of women died in the testing. But, but then they got breakthrough ovulation. So that means women are they're taking the pill thinking that they can't get pregnant, but because of the new lower dosage levels, the, there's breakthrough ovulation, which means that um, a significant number of women 
like I think it's the number 70% of women who take the pill will become pregnant at some point in a 10-year time frame um, from taking the pill. So I'm sure most of you know, and that's with perfect application, perfect um, taking it every day at the same time. So there's breakthrough ovulation that happens with contraception, which means a lot of women, they, they uh, behave on a level, they operate on a level where they think sex is purely recreational and they, they engage in sex for fun with people they don't intend to co-parent with and then they're very surprised and shocked when there's a pregnancy. And so that's what is driving women into abortion clinics is because they don't want to become a parent by themselves and they, didn't, they thought that they that they they thought they were being responsible by taking the pill every day, but they didn't know that they were being lied to about the efficacy of these medicines. So um, they reach to abortion, and then abortion causes future infertility by, you know, like I said, greater risk of miscarriage, pelvic inflammatory disease, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's another reason chastity becomes really important in the discussion to prevent infertility. Because if you want to protect the integrity of your body long term, um, you just you can't have sex with everybody just for fun, you know. There has to be some some boundaries established on this if we care about the fertility of our of our women. Uh, a third reason I think chastity is really relevant in the conversation for, for fertility and infertility is because um, casual sex leads to relationship breakdown. It leads to serial monogamy, short-lived relationships, um, a lack of trust, and ultimately loneliness. And you can't have a child by yourself. Um Fertility requires the two halves of the reproductive system. You need the female half of the reproductive system and you need the male half of the reproductive system. And you, you could just use a sperm donor, I guess, but few women actually, we don't actually desire to use a sperm donor. We want a partner who's going to help us raise a child because kids are hard and expensive and we want a partner to help us with this really difficult task of parenthood. And casual sex, it does not foster um, good, healthy, long-term relationships where people trust each other. Because a man is, is quite concerned with something called cuckoldry. Cuckoldry is the phenomena of tricking someone into raising your babies for you. And, or being manipulated into raising someone else's babies. And baby raising is an expensive endeavor. It takes time. It takes money. It takes a lot of energy and intellectual output. And most people are only willing to do this for their own biological children. Um, some very generous and saintly people are willing to do this for non-genetic children. Um, but it's something that they... It's just a bigger deal than what would come naturally to someone for their own biological child. And um, my point is that uh, men are concerned with cuckoldry and they want to trust, they experience parenthood outside of their bodies. So as a woman, you know, you know it's your baby. 
why do you know you get your babies? Because, well, <laughs> you're pregnant with the baby. You give birth to the baby. You know that that's your baby. Unless there's an IVF mix-up, which is totally another conversation. But men are always and have always been a little nervous as to if the baby's really theirs or not. And they mentally, psychologically are more, much more at ease if they feel confident that, yeah, that baby is, is theirs. And so men have, um, they have a need to kind of control or keep their eye on or just have some kind of reassurance that that baby is theirs. Now, um, you can help them. You can help yourself. You can help yourself by taking action to reassure them that, yeah, the baby is theirs. And how do you do this? Um, You prove to them that you have self-control. You prove to them that you don't sleep with everybody that flirts with you. You prove to them that you can say no. You can say no in difficult circumstances and that you take action to protect your body, to protect the integrity of your body. And this, this will create a relationship where he can trust you, where you can trust yourself, and where you guys can live in peace and harmony. Because either you control yourself or he's going to try to control you. So a lot of the issues with women being enslaved and held captive, and you know, you, you hear women being kidnapped in the... Ohio incident with the Castro guy where they found three women locked up in chains in the upstairs and for 10 years they were locked up there as sex slaves and there's like a sex slavery epidemic and it's extremely troubling um it's not a conversation we can get fully into here but basically either you control yourself or um, the, the primal desires of a man will, will lead him to wanting to control you. And you don't want to be a slave. You don't want to be anybody's slave. So my suggestion, my proposal to you, is that you find ways of developing self-control. Another word for that is chastity. So, but what if you're really good looking? The title of this podcast is Chastity Strategies for Sexy People, right? Um, I see women all the time who who are developing boundaries that are sad, like gaining weight, you know, rape victims who they become obese as a way of um, turning men off. Because they don't want to become victims of uh, sexual pursuits, you know, unwanted. They don't know how to deal with unwanted sexual advances in healthy ways. Uh, I myself was, you know, I still am fairly attractive. When I was 12, I started modeling. Uh, Wasn't quite tall enough for, like, hardcore 
New York style runway stuff, but I did cosmetic campaigns. Um, I, you know, I was paid for my good looks. I had a 34, 24, 34 measurement. I was the captain of the cheer team. I had long blonde hair and blue green eyes and they, my school voted me most likely to, to um, model for Victoria's Secret. And I'm not saying that to brag, I'm saying that because uh, I had a hard time dealing with unwanted sexual advances. It was difficult and it was, beauty was a burden that I had a tough time managing. And later in high school, I ended up cutting my hair really short, dyeing it black, wearing very unattractive clothing. I ended up speaking and, and behaving in kind of vulgar ways just to put people off, just to thwart them from unwanted, you know, from sexual advances that I didn't want. And it was, I, I needed healthier ways to manage the burden of my own beauty. And that's kind of what the purpose of this podcast is. I just want to let you know I recognize the the struggle of chastity. And um, especially when it's you have opportunities with people people who are also really attractive. Like, it's hard to um, turn off that faucet sometimes. And the big way that that case people can succeed with this is you have to know why you're doing it. You have to know why, uh, why chastity is important to you and your own purity and and everything else is important to you. And for me, I'm sharing this because I want to help women protect their own future fertility. And I want people to have healthy long-term relationships. So that's why I'm sharing with you what I've learned and what I've applied with success, and I know other people are applying with success, because these things shouldn't be secret. We should be shouting them from the rooftops, because they're helpful. And so I've got some tips to avoid, uh, things to avoid, so kind of the no's, things not to do. I've got some date suggestions. I've got some boundary, you know, tips, books that you need to read and a little conversation about boundaries. And then I have some positive action steps that you can take that will help you in your journey to protect your future fertility and protect your relationships through chastity. Now, a lot of people, they make fun of Christians for a number of reasons. One of the things I've seen in like TV and media is people making fun of chaste Christians by saying things like they're suggesting that what they do instead of premarital sex is like, oh, they'll just have a lot of oral sex or they'll just have anal sex, which is uh, gross and horrifying. And it's meant to humiliate people. And it's, it's a poor understanding of what chastity is. And the truth about, I'm not going to have a conversation about religion right now, but the truth about what really successful chase people do is they, they don't just avoid premarital sex by doing everything else that they can to get off. Um, they just avoid arousal, period. 
And so they're not trying to have an orgasm some other way other than male-female intercourse in the normal locations. They're, they're avoiding orgasm. They're avoiding arousal. And it doesn't mean they have a boring life. They're, they're quite active, but they're just out in the world not focused on getting that orgasm at any cost. Um, how do you avoid arousal? So you're not going to third base. You're not going to second base. You might not even be French kissing. So French kissing can lead to arousal, which can take you down that path to other you know, lines being crossed. So successfully chase people, avoid arousal. They don't even French kiss sometimes. So what do they do instead? Well, they do, they go on adventures and dates and they buy tickets to concerts and they go out into the world and they develop skills and they take classes. They read books. They learn songs. They play music together. They go dancing. Um, do you see what I'm getting at? So that's the first thing you should avoid is you avoid arousal, period. The second thing you do is you avoid alcohol. Alcohol can lead to arousal. Alcohol can lead to poor judgment, decision-making, and it's just something that if you're in a dating situation with someone you think you could become, with someone that you're attracted to, then you avoid alcohol. And... Maybe even just in general, like if you're going to clubs and stuff or bars, never accept a drink from somebody you don't know. I've had uh, experiences where I had the date rape drug put in my drink and it's just a miracle that my friends rescued me and that I didn't become a statistic. It happens. So never accept a drink from someone you don't know, period. Um... Third thing you should avoid is being alone together with the person you're attracted to, especially late at night. It doesn't mean avoid being with the person you're attracted to. It just means avoid being alone with the person you're attracted to. What you should do is have um, group hangouts or, you know, take Go hang out with this person and also hang out with their mom. Also hang out with their dad. You know, hang out with their siblings. Maybe hang out with their nieces and nephews and cousins and and get to know their family. Have it be a group thing. Um, Those make good dates and you're not going to try to get all seduction-like when the person's mom is in the same room. That's not going to happen. You're going to be on your best behavior. So always request and invite that other person, especially their or your family. Um, So avoid being alone. Avoid arousal, avoid alcohol, avoid being alone together, especially at night. Um, Let's go into positive actions that you can take. So some things that you should do. Not the no's, but the yeses. So you should chart your cycle. What's charting your cycle? I don't get it. Charting your cycle means 
um, recording your health data and biomarkers that will allow you to know when you ovulate or when you're fertile. I teach this. It's called natural family planning. I participated in a film all about this called Sexual Revolution, 50 Years Since Humanity Date. It's on Vimeo. You can rent it. I so strongly believe in natural family planning. It's like my mission in life is to teach people about charting their cycles. And not only can you figure out when you're fertile, but um, right around when you're approaching ovulation, especially right as you're ovulating, your sex drive goes up, usually, if you're healthy. And so in planning your dating life and in planning like what you're going to do and how you're going to um, navigate a relationship with someone you're attracted to, it's helpful to know when you might have a higher sex drive. So in those days especially, you don't, you definitely don't hang out late at night. You definitely don't drink alcohol because you're already in kind of a yes-oriented state of mind where maybe you'd be okay with, with um, taking it too far. You're just, uh, you're more in a state of natural arousal during that time. So if you know that, you can prepare for it. And so I can teach you how to chart your cycle. You can go to sexualrevolutionmovie.com slash NFP. You could, um, you know, email me, alana at alananewman.com, and I can set you up with teaching you how to chart your cycle. Um, but this is important information for everybody to know, and it'll help you tremendously. So you should learn how to chart your cycle. Secondly, Positive action step that you can take is, uh, people are going to make fun of me about this, but I think we should learn how to dress more modestly. Um, What does modesty mean? I mean, like modest in Iraq is different than modesty in L.A. And the point isn't to cover yourself up completely. I mean, we're in America. I'm going to speak as far as like what I view as mainstream American um, standards. But it's, it's a courtesy to men. If you're a beautiful woman, it's a courtesy to men to not try to manipulate them and arouse them. It's a courtesy to your boyfriend and your fiancé and your spouse to not dress in a way that arouses other men. It, it shows that you, you respect him. You're not trying to invite trouble. You're not trying to cause trouble. So if you're walking around and you've got cleavage and you've got really tight pants and you just have such a beautiful body that men just cannot help but look, even maybe even women can't help but look because it's just you're just a... So gorgeous to look at. Well, um, good for you. That's awesome. But it it's not very courteous to everybody else. Um, what if there's a, a married man and he and his wife are having trouble and your beauty is just so distracting to him that it causes marriage problems in that other couple? What if 
it makes your boyfriend jealous. I mean, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, they just had a big public fight and discussion because he he's not comfortable with her being a sex symbol anymore. And so he is asking her to cover up. And it's, it's a way, he's trying to protect his family. But it's a tough thing for men to just bring up on their own. And, it, and as a woman, I hope you know that I care about you as a fellow woman. And I just, I would suggest that as a courtesy to other men, that you dress more modestly. And for me, um, I don't wear cleavage anymore. I try to wear shirts that are not plunging, but, but higher up. And I wear, I don't wear yoga pants out anymore, things that are like really fitting because I still have a pretty good body even after three kids. And I just, I just don't want to invite that kind of negative attention. Um, but there's a lot of really beautiful clothes that they draw attention to your face. They draw attention to your um, just feminine beauty in general that include the silhouette of the clothing, not necessarily the silhouette of your body. And, and take, take refuge and feel good about the, the, the beautiful clothes that you choose and what that expresses about your personality and your intellect and your great taste and your respect for other kinds of beauty. Um, there's just some gorgeous clothes out there that make you a beautiful person without making you um, arouse the wrong kind of feelings in other people. And that's going to help you with, with your partner, you know, so that he can trust you. Um, and lastly, positive actions that you can take. Well, I'm going to make some suggestions and brands. I think Henley is a good place for modest clothes. Uniqlo, Club Monaco, I love their clothes. And um, on the less expensive side, you can go at Shein, S-H-E-I-N, and they've got some really great inexpensive deals. Um, not everything's modest, but they have a lot to choose from. <clears throat> Anyways, thirdly, you need to speak your values. You need to speak your boundaries. That's a positive action. Anybody you're dating, you need to communicate with them about your beliefs and why you're choosing to behave and set up the way you are and, and set up boundaries. And this will filter out a lot of the bad guys. Um, some of them will be like, well, I don't want to be chased. And that's your opportunity. It's great. Um, you should say thank you and, and then move on from them because they're not good for you. And you are worthy of love. And there, men do not just want casual sex. This is the big lie. A lot of women think that if they don't give a man everything they want, and they assume that every man wants short-term casual sex. It's not true. Um, but women think that if they don't give them everything they want, they're going to leave. But this is a huge mistake. I can't tell you enough what a huge mistake this is. Do not give them everything they want. There are abusers and predators and exploiters, and those guys 
feed off of women like that. Ask me how I know. They take everything they can get. And it doesn't lead to them developing empathy. It doesn't cultivate, you know, they don't suddenly transition. They don't see your model of generosity and then, and, and then copy it. No, they just take and take and take. And you don't want to be married to a man like that. So what I suggest you do is from the very beginning, set up your boundaries and start saying no to important stuff. Start saying no to stuff they want. In fact, you can say no. Maybe you, don't, maybe you even want to give it, but just say no anyways, just to test them. Not like you're playing mind games, but, but can, can he handle a no? And how does he treat you when you do say no? And filter out the guys who can't handle it, manipulate you, scream and cry and throw a tantrum just because you don't want to go down on them that night. Like Those guys need to get the boot immediately before you end up married and before you end up having kids with them. Some really great book suggestions I have. There's a book called When I Say No, I Feel Guilty by Manuel Smith. And I can't recommend this book enough. It was recommended to me by somebody I respect a lot, and it's changed my life. When I Say No, I Feel Guilty by Manuel Smith. And it gives you a rich, well, first of all, they explain the science and the content and the why behind why it's important to say no. Then they give you dialogue examples and a real toolbox for saying no in your own real-life situations. So for those of us who were never taught to say no in our family environments, this book teaches you in an awesome way how to say no. Uh, There's also another book called Boundaries. Uh, I forget the author, but you need to look that up. Um, Another great book, Why Boundaries Are Important and How It's Going to Help You in Your Life Cultivate Peace. And if you think casual sex is what men want, you're just, you're just wrong. People, everybody, we want true love, long-lasting love. We want a partner for life. And in order to get that, you need to be able to trust the person you're dating. And the way you, that men learn how to trust women is they need to witness us exhibiting self-control. If if. And they they do that firsthand. So you exhibit self-control with them, the man you're attracted to. And then you let them witness you exhibiting that self-control. And then they can trust you that you're not going to sleep with any man that flirts with you or any man that you're attracted to. And that's going to prevent you from being enslaved. And it's going to make your relationships work a lot better. Before I leave, I wanted to just have give a few date suggestions. So, um, when you're dating, it's this dance of you want to be attractive to the person you're dating. Um, there's all you know. You kind of want them to be aroused by you, but but if you're trying to stay chaste, then it's a balance of that, right? You don't you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're betraying your own promise to yourself. 
So some date suggestions that I have for the person who's trying to be chased but in a dating situation is, like I mentioned before, uh, do excursions with members of their family. Um, boating is, you know, is, is really great and fun. Um, fishing trips with the family. I don't know how much money you have, but uh, being on or near water where there's conversation, there's an activity that you guys are doing. Um, nursing homes, oddly enough, as a potential date. Nursing homes, you're not going to get aroused at all in a nursing home. But what it does, like when you, when you go there, you know, you give cards, Christmas cards, little Thanksgiving Day cookies or ornaments, you know, things that just spread a little bit of joy to the people in the nursing homes. You can just walk into these places. They let you, as long as you're there for, like, a good reason and to kind of lift people's spirits. Um, you can go in, be of service, and you notice that people don't do well when they're lonely. People are fragile. We all die. You can inspire um, not a fear of being lonely, but like when you're in a nursing home environment, it really you realize like you're not going to be independent and strong and great looking forever. And so to, to find a true love, someone who's willing to stick with you even through difficult times, it just kind of conjures feelings like that. And um, casual sex is the last thing on your mind when you're in that environment. But it does, does foster a desire for relationship building. I'll just put it that way. Um, and just being dates where you're in service of your community. Um, Babysitting nieces and nephews, um, cooking, cooking for friends and family, stuff like that. Um, lessons, classes. You know, you guys decide you want to take a class together, like uh, English literature, or a Spanish class, or a French class, or you know, something like that, where you're skill building in a public environment. You regularly see each other, and you're you're becoming better people together. Those are great date ideas. Uh, and that's it. I hope this has been helpful. I come from a place of love. I hope you know that. I'm not trying to force anybody to be chased, but I've seen the connection between lack of chastity and future infertility. And I, that is the whole purpose in this podcast is helping people deal with donor conception, and carve out a better way for themselves and the people they love. So if I have helped one person um, make a better decision and escape from the negative consequences of bad choices, then it's worth it. Please reach out. In the show notes, I have a link where you can reach out to me and tell me what you like about the podcast, what you don't, some topic suggestions that you might have, or if you want to recommend someone to be interviewed, I would love that. I love getting to know people through interviews on this thing. So please uh, feel free to reach out. Also, I, I have been thinking a lot about ways where I can financially support the podcast or get, you know, I've got fees. I've got the, the podcast distributor fee. 
I've got the website fees, and then I've got like me and the kids to feed too. So there's, there's, if I could do everything for free because I had a trust fund, that'd be awesome, but I don't. Um, and so, and I, I never have advertising on here. Like I never had an advertisement banner at all on anonymousus.org and I've always made everything free to access. So I thought about ways that I could um, finance the podcast and I've got two things that I'm inviting you to support right now. I've got, first of all, a Patreon page. So patreon.com slash anonymousus and you can throw some bones this away and that'll help me pay for all the... Um, the costs of, of of sharing this content and secondly I made something kind of cool I made um, some bath bombs actually I sourced it from a company in Austin who make the most amazing natural ingredient bath bombs you can believe in and so they're working with me to create atomic bath bombs which uh, we've got a package of four, and they're colorful, and they smell delicious, and, uh, you know, they're made from cocoa butter and shea butter and and just very natural ingredients, nothing, nothing toxic, made in America, and you can find them on Amazon, and purchasing them is, makes a perfect gift for anybody, any woman or kid in your life. We just love bath bombs. And uh, they're de-stressors, so one of the, another cause of infertility is stress. So anything you can do to help relieve people of stress is a good thing. And so help support the podcast. The money goes directly to um, me and supporting these fees, and we just, we just really appreciate the, the support. And that's how you can help us get the word out about all these interesting ideas and topics about donor conception. So thank you guys so much. This is Alana. This has been another episode of Dealing with Donor Conception. And now all you sexy people know how to be chased. Congratulations.